Hello and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. And I'd like to welcome all you new listeners out there. It's great that you're joining us. Okay, we have another fun show for you. My guest today has been dancing tango for well over two decades, and he's taught and performed all over the world. Having studied with a variety of different maestros and being familiar with many different styles of tango, today's guest is known for focusing much of his teaching around perfecting one's axis. He's originally from Australia, but is currently based in Poland. Now, before we start, there were some technical glitches during the beginning of our conversation, but we sorted those out. And with me now is Damien Thompson. Damien, thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. How are things going? Cruising. I'm back out of jet lag. I'm at home with my daughter, so life is good. All right. Good, good. <laughs> and that's when we had some recording issues, which I again apologize for, but things got back on track and we'll pick up the conversation where we were discussing some things about tango teachers. I teach classes as people who could teach with a methodology and a logical uh, progression so people can actually get the the concept and and the uh, the class information by the end of the class that was our goal not mm -hmm. to be uh, what we classed as the demonstrators mm -hmm. uh, a lot of teachers in our opinions did great demonstrations in class and mm -hmm. still today there are many teachers who do amazing demonstrations nice. and they're amazing dancers but their teaching is a, leaves a lot to be desired for yeah yeah because yeah, that Dancing and teaching seem to be two very different skill sets. Yeah. What was your very first dance like at a Malanga? Oh, you know, to be honest, I don't remember. Okay. But what I remember was I spent five years following, so I didn't lead for my first five years. Oh, nice. And the first 12 months I actually did in heels just to be really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but it gave me a good understanding of what women went through on their side of the dance if they're following. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if they're leading, it's a different ball game. Yeah. But if they're leading in heels, that's just crazy. And then, so for the first seven or eight years, I didn't actually dance at a milonga. I would go and sit and watch people dancing. And I'm one of the funny learning types where I can see something mm -hmm. and assimilate that into my body fairly quickly. Nice. Um, if it takes me, if it takes me a long time to learn something, then that's fine, no big deal, I'll work hard and I'll do it anyway. Mm -hmm. But often I can just see the logic in the movement, uh -huh. understand how the lead works and the follow, and then replicate it, certainly mm -hmm. within three or four attempts. Okay. So I remember that when I did start dancing, everybody was like, bloody hell, when did you start taking lessons? And I went, <laughs> oh, I've never had any lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not entirely true. I'd been doing seven or eight years of visual lessons, just watching... Plus, we also used to watch um, Zotto, um, mm -hmm. Osvaldo Zotto and Lorena Macida. We used to watch them on video, VHS. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. um, performances that came out of, um, oh, what's the place? Right up in the northwest of Buenos Aires. It's like a cathedral. It's like a, uh, it's in the basketball court. Okay. I can't think of the name of them longer at the moment, but... Um, we saw many performances from VHS videotapes coming out mm -hmm. from there, coming back to Australia, and so we would just watch the performances. Wow. And early in the days when it was still uh, many of the old greats performing, I still remember watching a lot of the older guys performing from mm -hmm. Pugliese through to Javander and mm -hmm. many of the others, mm -hmm. and trying then 
to replicate their movements, which was really very difficult because mm-hmm. it was on video. It wasn't a 3D. It was a 2D thing. Okay. Yeah. So was there a moment when you knew you wanted to do this for a living? <laughs> Never. Never? <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of it's, floated into it? Yeah. And it's not something most people actually make a living at, no matter what uh, you hear about it. There's very few tango teachers who can do this full time and make mm-hmm. a good income. I left normal work, say in 2009, mm-hmm. I, was an air, I was an air traffic controller. Oh, wow. And, and I decided that I'd had enough of the management in the Australian air traffic control system, which mm-hmm. was horrible. Oh. And so I, I went teaching in the US and Europe and just kept teaching and teaching and I, I haven't stopped. Nice. All right. So that's how I kind of fell into it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So over the course of you, you know, learning tango and studying it, was there, what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers? I'd say that the, the best wake-up call, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way, was uh, I did some lessons with Chicho in Buenos Aires. Oh, nice. He, uh, he quite liked my technique. I seemed to be doing things quite well. Mm-hmm. And I said to him one day, because he'd seen me social dancing as well, and I said to him one day, so I think I'm a fairly good dancer these days. And he looked at me, he started laughing, he goes, you're a terrible dancer. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thanks, Chicho. He goes, yeah, you don't understand the music, the musicality. He said, you just need to sit and watch these people when they pause, when they move. I said, you know, and I looked at him, I'm like, uh, okay. And I took <laughs> the advice quite seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just watch when each of the amazing dancers that I was watching in that time and era, mm-hmm. when when they were pausing, what they were doing, when they would start, how they would embrace, like I really started to get into the micro level of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then I started noticing even more patterns, which was interesting, and that's really where I started, mm-hmm. shall we say, doing my learning. Oh. And after three months of really dancing hard and observing in Buenos Aires, not just dancing hard, but observing. Mm-hmm. I certainly came out a very different dancer. Okay. Ah. Hmm. So yeah, just so to that hear was probably that. probably the yeah. best advice. Yeah, just to hear him saying you're a terrible dancer. Oh my god. <laughs> but then... <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't. He did He's pretty quiet, Chicho. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I can't say he's a friend, but I've known him for some time, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to go up and have a conversation with him. Yeah. Yeah. But. He generally doesn't say anything too negative, but he was quite funny that particular day. I think he had a few drinks and he's like, oh, man, you're a terrible dancer. It's oh. <laughs> like, oh, great. Yeah. But like you said, that wake-up call, you know, that's sometimes what it takes to, to kind of turn our dancing around. Yeah, and I, I personally don't object to telling someone they're a bad dancer and the way to improve. It just depends right. on whether or not they're ready to listen. Yeah. So. Okay, so I want to move on, to change gears a little bit to, uh, to students. So a lot of our tango students, particularly novices, they have a lot of negative thoughts that are running through their heads when they first start going to malangas. Like they might think to themselves, uh, you know, I'm afraid of making mistakes. I'm afraid of not having a good dance. I'm afraid my partner will dislike me. So how, how do you address that, that little negative monologue that kind of runs through our head sometimes? Oh, that's a tough call. I don't really get too many people complaining to me these days about that. Okay. You do hear, um, you do hear about the discussions and the generics of people saying they're having a bad time, they don't understand why they don't get dances, mm. they 
they're struggling for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually try not to get into that discussion with anyone. Mm -hmm. I think that will always come back to the person, to be honest. Uh -huh. if, if you're having a bad night, the only person who's responsible for that is you. Mm. Like, that's the hard truth. Yeah. If your partner doesn't like dancing with you when you're dancing with them, mm -hmm. well, it's not you the personality, it's you the dancer they're not enjoying. Mm. Um, unless, you know, there are other reasons, obvious things like body odor or, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're like me, mm. massive amounts of sweat. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, it, everyone's responsible for themselves and, mm -hmm. you know, you can try and help someone else to enjoy an evening, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste my energy these days with people who are determined to have a bad time. I yeah. just move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what so, you said about if they don't like you, the dancer, it doesn't mean they don't like you, the person. That's, we have to, we can't conflate the two. It's very true. I mean, there are lots of people I really enjoy company of and laughing with and having a great time, but mm -hmm. I won't dance with them. Yeah. And after nearly 30 years of dancing, I think I've earned the right to be a little fussy, even though mm -hmm. I do dance with a lot of beginners. I do dance with a lot of people who are struggling to get better. And I don't mind that. I, I actually object to dancing with people who are the eternal beginners mm. or the eternal intermediates and they've stopped taking lessons and they're, they're good enough. Yeah. And that's great. Just don't expect me to dance with you. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Okay. So sticking with students, what are, what are some good ways, in your opinion, for advanced students to help beginner students, let's say at a, at a practica, for instance? And this is actually a really good thing to ask me. I'm a strong believer in dancing with everyone in the community as much as possible. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I'm going to dance with beginners more than I'll dance with advanced. It's quite the opposite. Uh -huh. But I believe everybody should dance at their level, mm -hmm. whatever they think their level is, yeah. and below, and maybe 5 or 10% above. Mm -hmm. And so advanced dancers should dance with the gamut from, hey, I've just turned up today, and mm -hmm. somebody, and you say, oh, great, well, let's go and have a dance, and someone else is looking going, why are you dancing with that person? They've just turned up today and I've been here for three months and mm. you've never danced with me. Mm. Like, it's just, it's just how it is sometimes. You've just got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I really do believe that the best thing advanced people can do at practicas to help others mm -hmm. is to dance their best dance with the beginners. Okay. And I say this to ladies more than I say it to men. Mm. If you're in a community where you're at the higher end of the dancing scale, mm -hmm. you need to learn how to enjoy dancing with beginners whilst keeping your access, whilst maintaining the connection, all that sort of thing, and practicing good technique. And actually dancing with beginners makes you an even better dancer if you can do all of those things, because then when you get on to moving to somebody who can really dance nicely, yeah. you don't really have to think about that. You've really built that solid technique and core. Mm. to be able to move on. So I actually think it's very important to dance with people who challenge you, challenge your joy, mm -hmm. to find, try and find the joy in that one dance with that person. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Damien, what have you learned from your own students having traveled in so many different parts of the world and having taught probably hundreds of workshops? <laughs> <laughs> that there are a lot of students desperate for good teaching. Mm -hmm. really good, clear teaching, mm -hmm. and that most, and, and this is going to sound horrible, mm -hmm. that most teachers don't teach well, mm -hmm. and most teachers don't teach in a way that's memorable. 
Ah. So by the end of a week or a month later, mm -hmm. the students have forgotten all the information they've learned. Um, be it, and I'll just use a name mm -hmm. because it's a famous name, mm -hmm. be it if they've learned from Javier Rodriguez mm -hmm. or if they've learned from Chicho. Mm -hmm. If there's nothing memorable in the class, if there's no way to recall it, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about a video review, I'm talking about something that sinks into the mind, mm -hmm. well then they've wasted their money. Yeah. And that's very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. So over the years I hope I've developed a style with quite a few of the teaching partners I teach with, mm -hmm. although I'd prefer it to be only one or two, to be quite honest, mm -hmm. a style of, of trying to get people to relax and enjoy the lesson mm -hmm. and to give them ways to remember things that help them later. That's mm -hmm. really where I've developed differently, I would say, to mm -hmm. many other teachers. Nice. Okay, so on a little bit more of a, of a technical uh, topic, I know we talked a little bit about musicality before, but Damien, what is your personal style for introducing musicality to beginners? I don't know if I have a personal style for introducing mu musicality. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I teach very similar to, in this respect, Nay Mello. Okay. And he gives, to this date, still one of the best musicality classes I've ever seen. And it's a visual as well as he's doing it with the music. And he does it with a group of chairs. Mm. Now, I've never done it that way. I'll mm. never do it that way because that's Nay's thing. Mm -hmm. But it gave people a very clear appreciation for the bass beat and contratempo, the mm. offbeat. Mm -hmm. So I'll do simple things like I'll have in waltz, for example, I'll get everyone to stomp the one beat for an entire song. Uh -huh. And then I'll get everyone to stomp heavily on the first and then lightly on the second and third for an mm -hmm. entire song. And then they start to feel that in there, there's more than just the heavy on the one. Sometimes it's heavy on the one, three. Sometimes it's heavy on the one, two. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the one, three, one or the one, two, one. And so then they start to find their natural musicality rather than me saying, this is the musicality. Mm -hmm. Plus, I also tell students, look, there's no such thing as wrong musicality. It's interpretive. Mm -hmm. So... Some dancers dance the voice, and if you're not seeing that they're dancing the voice, when you watch them, you'll go, Jesus, they're off the music. They just, they've missed every beat, mm. every major beat. They haven't, they haven't hit any of the off beats. They're not pausing at the end of the phrase. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yet the rest of the world is sitting, or the rest of the good world in tango who knows that they're dancing the voice is watching them, mm -hmm. and they're going, oh, my God, that's amazing. So it's a perspective. Yeah. So the musicality thing, it comes back to, like most teachers, I like to get people stepping the bass beat. Mm -hmm. Then I get them understanding double time. Mm -hmm. Later on, I'll get them to understand contratempo, mm -hmm. how to work with and or when contratempo is. Mm -hmm. But I really try not to push my musicality onto any of my students. I don't think that's good teaching. Ah, yeah. I, yeah. Personally, I think letting them find what they want to dance in the music. Like some people, like uh, Rod Relucio, for example, yeah, he'll dance the melody and the rhythm mm -hmm. more naturally than he dances the bass beat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if he was my student, and he's not, but if he was my student, I was saying, come on, hit the bass beat, then I would actually <laughs> ruin, I'd probably ruin his dancing style. But if I said to Alejandra, Adrian and Alejandra, mm -hmm. you guys have to dance the voice, they'd sort of look at me and go, 
dude, what's wrong with you? This is a Pugliese <laughs> with amazing beats, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to dance that. I'd be like, no, come on, guys. You, you're better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to force someone to dance different to what their natural musicality is, I think is a mistake. Yeah. You can you can guide them a bit. You know, Obviously, they've got to hit the beats occasionally, mm-hmm. but you've got to let them find their way, which is the challenge for a teacher as well, yeah. knowing when to be quiet and when to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so David, what was your very first performance like? Wow, actually, my very first performance was really, really horrible. (laughs) I still have it on video. (laughs) I put it on every now and then just to watch it. Mm -hmm. I I last about 15 seconds into the video, and I go, thank God I never have to watch that again. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just horrible. It was, Mm -hmm. of course, in Brisbane where I I lived. Mm -hmm. But... But my first online video was with Julianne in Australia, in Canberra. Mm. And even today, I look at it and I go, oh, that was actually, that was okay. Uh-huh. I've done worse since, and I've done better since. But okay. it was quite decent for a first one that went online. We were both like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all right. Yeah. So, yeah, but my first one was horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for students out there who, you know, who are thinking of maybe performing with groups or or just trying to put themselves out there a little bit more. Um, how do we look, make ourselves look good during a performance versus you know, looking good during a social dance? Yeah, there's lots that can, mm-hmm. that can happen when you're doing a performance that changes the look from being a social to a professional sort of look. Mm-hmm. A huge part of that, of course, is in the size of the steps, the quality of the movement, the relaxation, and the lines that you use oh. for you know poses or pauses or whatever you want to cause it, mm. call that. Mm-hmm. Those lines, and the classic one, you know, is when the lady lunges forward into a deep lunge, looking up at the gentleman, and he's gone backwards and looking down at the lady. Ah, like yeah. that classic line, if you don't have the straight legs, the pointed toes, if she's not up on the ball of a foot, yeah. uh, if the knee is outside the leg, her knee is outside the leg instead of in between his legs, like mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. just make a massive difference in the look. Mm-hmm. But it won't necessarily be comfortable until you've practiced it, you know, a thousand times, and then right. you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, those bigger steps, the lines. Because most people also think when they're performing, mm-hmm. and this is the interesting part: the first time you do a performance, you get to the end, and the adrenaline, the excitement, mm-hmm. or the fear, whatever it is, <laughs> as it as it wears off, and you look at the performance, you think, "Hang on a sec, I was moving much faster than this. I'm I'm walking like a snail and." I only did three things, and like, this is almost synonymous across the board with everyone who does their first performance. Mm-hmm. And then you start to watch the other performances, and you're like, wow, they're doing so much, and, and I did nothing, and I mm-hmm. felt like I did so much, and the time ran out. So you mm-hmm. start to realize that the performances you see when you see Carlitos, Noelia, Chicho, mm-hmm. whomever you're watching, that they are doing a lot of work in that three minutes and they're doing a lot of steps with a lot of changes of direction and this yeah. is the thing that you learn as you go along that in a performance you need to add more. It needs to be bigger mm-hmm. somehow. There are people like uh, Melina and Detlef mm-hmm. who do very much a beautiful walking performance mm-hmm. but their performances are so exceptionally musical mm-hmm. and so exceptionally well led and followed that they don't have to and they don't need to and they don't incorporate big, crazy movements. Mm. But they're still incredibly entertaining and eye-drawing. 
Yeah. And again, if you tried to dance that socially, you would you would struggle because it's very difficult to dance their way and to make it look confident as well. Yeah. So yeah. each style has its challenge. Mm -hmm. Good, good. All right, Damien. So I've heard there's always something new to learn when it comes to tangos, even though you've had so much experience traveling the world. Is there anything new that you've learned in the last few years, perhaps a new step or another technique or deeper understanding of something? Yeah, I was literally just in New York learning new stuff again. Nice. Relearning, relearning all the stuff, mm -hmm. finding a different quality in the movement. And I've been dancing for a long time, and the people I was practicing with mm -hmm. have all been dancing for you know, as long as me, if not uh, a few, a bit longer. Mm -hmm. And we're all still amazed that, you know, 20 plus years later, we're all still going, what about this? And how do you get this right? And, yeah. you know, we, we were all trying to work out how to lead mm -hmm. a particular technique. And we found three or four different ways to lead it, mm -hmm. which we were all like, wow, I never thought about this. What about this? And, and so we're just trying different options between the four of us. Mm -hmm. And we spent literally two and a half, three hours working on four or five things. Nice. Uh, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Just those three. Actually, it was just the four things that we worked on in two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, we were all just so sweaty and tired, and, <laughs> but just excited because we were still like, God, we still need to learn so much more. Nice. So we're like, all right, who can we learn this from? That's the next question. Yeah. If we can't work it out ourselves, mm -hmm. who else would be able to know, for example? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the quest is never ending. I don't think, and you'll never have a perfect dance. That's the other side of it. Yeah. You'll never, you'll never ever have a perfect dance. If you do, you should quit and never come back. Because <laughs> what else is there after that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. I think it's really good for people to, to hear there's this dance, it never gets old. Not ever. Yeah. And, you know, the cool part about the tango world and whichever hobby or passion you have is that as you go around the planet, you start to realize the people everywhere in different places, they're all doing the same thing. They're mm. all learning the same way. Yeah. It doesn't matter the race, the religion, the color. I mean, everybody's enjoying it mm -hmm. for their own reasons. And it's a very common thing of just personal connection. Yeah. Yeah, so, you get this sense of familiarity you know, when you go to a Malanga in another country. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what's even funnier, though, is for the teachers who are traveling a lot, if you happen to see someone in two different cities, you're like, hang on a sec, you're in the wrong city or the wrong country. What are you doing here? Like, this is not right. <laughs> it's even funnier. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, Damien, like every, every Malanga, literally every place I've been to dance, um, there's always, there's always at least one guy with a ponytail. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I had one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or you could be that guy. Yeah, it's just. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I remember uh, going to a Malanga recently in London, and I just I got kind of lost, and then I saw this guy dressed in black, and he had a ponytail, and it's like, oh, maybe he's going to the Malanga. So I followed. Yeah, I mean, not not too closely, so you didn't think I was going to mug him, but I just kind of hung back. It's like, there he goes. Yeah, he, yeah. So so happy you didn't end up in a sex club. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting Malanga. Okay. This is how they do it here. It's a cultural experience. Right? The you never know in college. London what will happen. Yeah. I don't have that many bills on me. Yeah. It's just a waxing. It's just a waxing. Okay.
dear. <laughs> oh. All right, but Dave. you're right. It is. Yeah. There is something very familiar everywhere yeah. you go. It's it's a nice feeling. Yeah. And Absolutely. you have a you have an instant social circle, mm-hmm. which you can integrate into, or you can just stay on the periphery and enjoy. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Damien. Where do we find out more about you online? Well, Facebook, obviously. I go under Damien Dadienzo, mm-hmm. and um, I have a blogspot, jeditango.blogspot. All right. Great. Which I don't update that often, but I do try to keep it up to date for my calendar. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So I'll have links to that in our show notes when, when uh, the no podcast problems. is uploaded, so people will be able to find out more about you. No problems. Okay. All right, Damien, thank you again so much. I know you're a really busy guy, but it means a lot that you took the time out to be on the podcast, and I think people really appreciate what you you have to say. You're welcome. Thanks very much for having me on, Joe. All right. Take care. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. That was a fun conversation. It was great chatting with Damien, and he went over a lot of interesting stuff. When I asked him about his earlier days of tango learning, he mentioned he had the ability to look at dancers understand what they were doing and put it into his body. I know many of you listening also have that ability, but some of us learn differently. We have to take some time to understand how our own learning processes work and actively apply it when we're receiving new tango information. And as we become more experienced, we'll find ourselves receiving wake-up calls, as Damien calls it. This can be in the form of harsh criticism, or we may discover to our horror that we've been doing something wrong this whole time. In Damien's case, it was getting some very direct words from Chicho Fromboli. But instead of shrinking from the criticism, we should use them as motivation. These wake-up calls are opportunities to make improvements that can help us become better dancers. What Damien did, and, and what we can all benefit from, was to closely observe great dancers. And we can't be passive about it. I mean, really study how great dancers interpret music and how they move. I mean, take notes if you have to and then try out the new knowledge on the dance floor. And near the end of our conversation, Damien said, we'll never have the perfect dance. If we do, we should quit right away. Not having the perfect dance means there's always something new to discover. There's always something to learn or relearn. And by relearn, I mean either improving a concept you've gone over before or understanding it from a different perspective. And when we do this, we'll find that tango never gets old. So thank you again, Damien, for your time, for sharing your story, and giving us lots to think about. Much appreciated. And of course, thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. I really appreciate your support. I love getting that feedback too, so if you'd like to get in touch with me, go ahead and send me a message at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, this is the part where I ask you to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcasting platform you're using. Hit that subscribe button and please leave a five-star rating and review. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. New episodes every Monday. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.